0: From Addison Street Community Church, this is Chicago's Gospel Podcast, a show where we explore how the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ shapes your life in an ever-changing city. I'm Eric Viker.
1: And I'm Will Pareja.
0: And today, part two, we might have more parts to our study of gospel citizens. We're looking at case studies. Last time, we looked at the beloved character, Joseph, Whom we read about in the latter third, latter half of Genesis. And today we're looking at Daniel. Now, Daniel. Uh, is truly a beloved character in the Bible. There is stuff in the story of Daniel's life that makes for perfect children's stories. And I don't say that uh, in a deriding way. There are some amazing stories about God working in this man's life. You know, you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Daniel's friends in the fiery furnace, and uh, you see a fourth person in the... fiery furnace with them, uh, one who looks like a son of man. We remember Daniel in the lion's den and God shutting the mouths of these vicious beasts and him enduring through what should have been a death sentence. So there's so much that we uh, might know about the story of Daniel, even in an increasingly biblically illiterate age. These are stories that I think a lot of unbelievers still at least recognize at face value. What's lesser known about the story of Daniel were the circumstances that led him into exile, that term we keep coming back to, and the circumstances that he faced in exile. Daniel was a young man living in the southern kingdom of Judah when God chastised the people of God and sent them into exile. Now, oftentimes we're tempted to think of exile in terms of singular, uh, but exile is something that happens again and again and again and again to the people of God. Some of them very big, some of them very small in terms of how many people were sent away from the homeland. But uh, Daniel gets shipped off uh, to Babylon This is the quintessentially bad anti-Yahweh place on the planet. And it's said that he was actually son of nobility. This Mm. was someone who grew up with prestige and probably wealth, and he was well-educated. And as soon as he gets to Babylon with his friends, he was clearly bright, he was wise, he was competent. And he was a standout. He was a standout. And the Babylonian king tries to wipe all of Daniel's culture and his allegiance to Yahweh from him mm. and catechizes him into the way of Babylon, gives him a pagan name, a Babylonian name. Belteshazzar, uh, same with his friends, tries to get him into Babylonian culture. And even the names of him and his friends that they've been given reflect Babylonian Uh, divinities, so to speak. So they're trying to do everything to brainwash. That might be too strong of a term, but trying to get Daniel and his friends into Babylonian culture. And again, emerging in dark circumstances is a man full of God, full of faith and full of traits, characteristics that are worth emulating. Now, if, the story of Joseph is certainly more than just what we ought to emulate, but it's not less. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much in Daniel that is worth emulating, and that's what we're trying to do in these episodes is see what emerges from this man's life. And then as we look at our culture, our lives in Chicago, can we say, Yeah, we should be like Daniel in these respects? So as there was well. some
1: overlap between the two, right? And but then Daniel's story, which comes Hundreds, what maybe even about a thousand years, at least a thousand years after Joseph, mm. right? So I think even that kind of time gap it gives some perspective. Um, it shades our 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 character studies of gospel yeah. citizens. Yeah.
0: So what's what's one of the things that's overlapping between Joseph and Daniel?
1: Well, their age. They were probably around the same age. They were. Don't
0: despise them because of their youth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they probably were late teens. Um, they were also diligent in their, in their work. They knew their place mm. in the palace, in the court. And I think there was a certain winsomeness about that, which we can t- press yeah. into a little bit later. He was a man of conviction. I I think
0: that's the first thing that jumps out. Okay, so let's, yeah. So let's press in. Well, yeah, I was going to ask what's the difference between Joseph and Daniel, but that might lead us down uh, some rabbit trails, which would be fun. But let's, let's focus on what you just mentioned. Daniel is a man of conviction. What do you mean by that? Where do we see that?
1: Daniel one says that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat or the dietary course, So that is not just teenage rebellion, which is so often characteristic of, you know, teenagers or early 20-somethings, but there was something that was driving uh, a defiance. It was a godly defiance, something he he was adhering to something greater, and that was his, all the, the scruples, religiously, dietarily, that made his life possible and easier and and pious, if we could even use that term, mm-hmm. as he lived pre-exile. So he was really carrying on the habits, if you will, of his religious upbringing, his faith-filled upbringing. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what's, you've alluded to a few, but what's one circumstance in his life where we see him as a man of conviction, in some sense, digging his heels in, into the sand
1: I think of the, a little bit later in the book, I think it's chapter five, he is praying. And it's not just an abnormal thing. The text says that this is what, this was his habit, hmm. morning, noon, and night. And a, a new, you know, a new policy came down the, the pike that forbade prayer. And Daniel heard of it. And what does he do? He shows up to prayer time, oh. flies open, you know, throws his windows open towards Jerusalem, and prays, mm. knowing that he was very, he could very well be caught. That's conviction.
0: Yeah, he's a man of prayer. Yeah, and he had to have known that this God that he beseeched daily, multiple times a day. Out of probably both a sense of discipline and delight, was the same God who could rescue him, help him, be with him, even if it got him in trouble. He, when he threw open his windows to pray after it was commanded that he ought not to pray to Yahweh, he knew what he was getting into, didn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, basically a death sentence. That's what the the legislation was. You pray to somebody else, yeah, and we're gonna. We're going to kill you. Well,
0: I think, okay, let's let's think about our people now in Chicago. Here's, we might be tempted to look at Daniel and be like, he was just flashy. He was showy. Couldn't have, you know, couldn't he just have prayed in his prayer closet where no one could see? Doesn't <laughs> Jesus say to go into private, close the door, pray, and God who sees in secret will reward you? Like, oh, why does he have to throw open his shades, his windows? that's what you did. That's that's whether it just custom or
1: I th- well, I mean, part of it is custom. It's a, there's a certain openness and expressiveness about Jewish prayer, covenantal prayer. The stuff about Jesus, the context of that, it, Phariseeism hadn't even been a thing in Daniel's time. Jesus was pushing against real, you know, religious charlatanism, fakery, phonyism, and. When he said that, so there's no there's no contradiction between what Jesus says in the book of Matthew and Daniel opening up his doors and you know or his windows uh, to pray. I think he was just showing that it conviction and obeying God is more important than obeying man, and that you see whether it's in the hamlets or the villas or the towns, but you see it in the big cities where people are living and they're doing their Christian thing.
0: That's good. So he's clearly committed to the Ten Commandments, but we see especially his allegiance to the first few, worshiping the true God in the right way. And here's this physical representation of his heart posture, which is towards Jerusalem where... God was dwelling amongst his people. Um, So he's a man of conviction. The Ten Commandments are extremely relevant. They're more relevant than we could ever imagine. They're not antiquated rules. Uh, And that was true for Daniel, and that's true for our people today. So speak a word of exhortation as it relates to being people of conviction. What, what does it mean to be people of conviction in Chicago today?
1: It doesn't mean to merely have beliefs. Hmm. Everyone has beliefs. You can't be anti or non-belief. You have beliefs. But it's having the right kind of beliefs. And the beliefs that are laid out in Holy Scripture in the Bible are, are rules, are precepts that detail for us how we ought to relate to God and how we ought to relate to other people hmm. those are that that transcends times hmm. and so what what like you said what was good for Daniel is good for us and Daniel had this in his bones Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his friends, their Jewish names, they had this in their bones, and they lived it. They went into the trial of being ripped away from their parents and their family with those convictions in mind, and they got—they had to put them to the test. My guess is, if you defied something that the king wanted, I mean, you could easily be imprisoned, like Joseph, even though
0: that was unjust treatment, or just disposed of. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Holding to our convictions. Uh, People should know that we're Christians by the way we live, by the convictions we hold. And this isn't, I don't think it was ever like cold conviction for Daniel. He loved the God of the Bible and he um, submitted to him and honored him in all the ways he could in exile.
1: See, so Daniel's conviction, his courage was not just defiance. There was a a winsome alternative. Right, right. So no, we're uh, we're not going to do that. But here's an idea: let's do this for put this on trial, put us on this diet, vegetables and water, ten days. Let's see how it goes. So it's not just like, (laughs) as I envision myself as a 16 or 17 year old. Well, I can't do that because my parents won't let me, or my Mm. church says, you know, it's bad. No, it's it's this is what God's word says, and why don't we try a win-win? Yeah. and it was a win-win yeah those yeah. guys stood out even more in amongst the, all the standouts in the um, Babylonian court those yeah. guys were head and
0: shoulders yeah conviction to the Ten Commandments conviction to love God love neighbor no matter the cost there are certain convictions that as you're saying, will be winsome. Not all of them, but there are certain aspects to the way God has ordained life in his world that will just harmonize so clearly to the watching world where, yeah, they're kind of won over to whatever, you know, whatever we're on, whatever schedule, whatever rules, whatever religion we're living by.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's important to note in terms of um, uh, transfer Of Daniel's example and how we live and move and have our being in in a a city like Chicago is that there are so many jobs or so many places where the standard, it is okay to lie and it's okay to do bribes.
0: Mm.
1: Um, It's okay to sort of posture and to run over other people and that's people just expect that. But so when someone comes along who doesn't talk a certain way, mm. doesn't use their resources as a one upmanship, um, bribing or just telling lies or half lies. They stand out. Yeah. And sometimes they can be annoying. And, not, and I'm not saying for bad reasons. It's just like they're not going with the flow. Yeah. So they do stick out like sore yeah. thumbs, yeah. be it in school, be it in the workplace, yeah. in your family.
0: Going the extra mile to uh, abuse a phrase from the Sermon on the Mount in the sense of like serving the extra mile. Uh, not just to be seen, but you're trying to serve your coworkers or your boss or um, your clients, your customers going uh, the extra distance, so to speak. That, that will stick out to the potentially lazy or undisciplined that, yeah, might rub them the wrong way. But maybe it's a conviction that is winsome.
1: And, but their convictions, at least in Daniel, got Daniel and his friends in separate times in trouble. Yeah. Or I think, Dan, was a Daniel 2? It's, it, it, the 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 camera kind of pans now on his three friends, mm. and they they don't bow to the the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, and they're like, you know what? Um, we serve God and we'll we'll go to the death and very well we could, but we'd rather serve yeah. him and obey him mm-hmm. than bow down
0: so trade number one, conviction may God grow that in all of us uh convicted. By our conscience as it's submitted to the Word of God to honor him in all things. Um, here's another trait. How about resilient or submissive? Those might sound like two different traits, but let me try this on for size. So they the Babylonian Empire tries to snatch everything from these Jews, these young men who are wise, teachable, uh, men mm-hmm. of understanding. It even says they're beautiful in appearance. All, you know, <laughs> They're good looking, like they're the total package. They get, in some sense, a world-class education in Babylon, even though it's not a education in the ways of Yahweh. And they don't compromise still on their convictions. I know we already went through that, but it's not an either or. You know, the phrase we often use is chew the meat spit out the bones Mm -hmm. so they're resilient in a culture that's trying to strip everything from them but they take the best of the babylonian education in some sense they morph it together with their jewish identity their jewish upbringing so they're resilient in the face of these circumstances yeah i hadn't thought of that that's that's fantastic i think to last anywhere
1: you talk about like the Jeremiah vision, of the 70-year vision. What is that other than some, some sort of resilience, mm. sticking it out right. through... I think it's easy for all of us to stick it out. We wouldn't even use that word in something that's pleasant. Right. But resilience is what's needed when it is uncomfortable.
0: Right. And they couldn't have gone to... JUC, Jerusalem University College, because they weren't in Jerusalem. They couldn't have gone to Bob Jones, your alma mater. They couldn't have gone to Wheaton College. They couldn't have gone to Moody Bible Institute or Dallas Theological Seminary. I mean, we could Hmm. throw out a thousand places, probably literally a thousand places where we could get almost immediate access to um, godly material, and yet they're educated in Babylon. And so, oftentimes, I think a Christian might find themselves in a place where I don't know if we could find a Christian accounting degree. Just go get an account, go get the best accounting degree in Chicago that you can get, and apply your Christian worldview to that education that we might call secular. Go get a world-class education in graphic design in a secular institution and apply your Christian worldview to it again yeah. we could
1: Yeah you know what I think the Daniel story does Eric is it um, it sort of blows up the false dichotomy or what people call the the sacred secular divide mm. it's not that we're not saying that the sacred is a non factor or god is holy full stop period mm but I think sometimes we contrive his holiness and package it in ways that is not helpful. Right. And then, or we are worldly and just blend and mush it all together. Right. But I think, you know, what you're, what you're touching on here is, is again, the, the, the notion or the thought of God's common grace and that he shines and all that's fair. And yes, his, all truth is God's truth. As Francis Schaeffer mm. used to say, and, uh, Daniel is one of these that shows us uh, how how being in a secular culture can still be a sacred task.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. So he's got conviction. He's resilient. He's submissive in a good way, just like Joseph. He's submissive in a uh, a foreign political scheme political system and he submits to those rulers as well and is an excellent employee if we can use those terms for um, the non-Jewish king once again Um, what's another trait we could add to the Daniel study
1: well he's what we said already he's prayerful here's one he amidst the courage the resilience the faithfulness one thing that we see in Daniel that we don't necessarily see in Joseph, and it's not because Joseph didn't have it, but it, the, the the multiple stories in Daniel point out that there are several points when Daniel is actually calling uh, for the foreign rulers mm-hmm. or the the powers that be to
0: repentance. What do you mean by that?
1: He's he's saying like you're. Uh, he said, "You're not. You're not supposed to act as so Belshazzar and the writing on the wall, type of thing. He was calling it what it was. Daniel was saying, this is here because you don't worship God.' Mm. And." He, he did it the same with Belshazzar's father or grandfather Nebuchadnezzar there was it wasn't just interpretation of dreams mm. which is what we he was kind of brought in for his expertise <laughs> interpreting a, a god-sized dream right uh, but he was actually now applying it so I think I think it's because of his religious upbringing and the Ten Commandments and the law he was able to put bring God's truth to bear even on non-jewish people because if all truth is god's truth we have to god desires that all come to repentance and here daniel is almost like a precursor evangelist saying you got to repent
0: yeah that's good that's good so yeah lest we run the danger of overly accommodating in these episodes of gospel citizen case studies and trying to be overly winsome Daniel has these moments where it's like, you got to speak truth to power, God's truth to power. And that's a matter of wisdom. Oftentimes, sometimes it's just a matter of right or wrong. Uh, But let me
1: ask you this. You just said, speak truth to power. That's I've heard that before. How is that different for the Christian? Because a lot of people to be American and to use your, I don't know which amendment it is, your free speech. I mean, the free speech amendment gives all of us in a sense, the freedom to stick it to the man, you know, to, to borrow from a Jack, Black, the Jack Black movie. Um, Are
0: you you being summoned by the powers or do you really have an opportunity that appears to be from God to speak truth to power or are are you just jaded on your soapbox uh in your study at home tweeting away with your larger digits about You know, this, that, and the other—that's good. You know, person. I mean, that's not the whole answer, but it's a matter of wisdom. Oftentimes, we always want right or wrong. When sometimes it's like, what's wise? What's what's unwise? Hmm. Um, So, do you have the opportunity? Is it balanced? Are you just jaded, or are you submissive and critical, and in the good sense, constructive criticism? Um, That might be an appropriate way of thinking about critiquing our leaders stuff like that
1: Mm -hmm. that's a great answer that's uh, that's really good i think christians in our day and age we live in such a polarized time and there's nothing like a city like our city chicago that sort of screams at you Mm. political divide that just this this great chasm between the left and the right Mm. and i think what christians want to do or tend to do is to take comfort in In using our prophetic voice, but using it in a way that is not winsome mm. and it 's not because we think we can actually win over the other side. no, we, we speak truth and trust God to do the winning because it 's his word that he, he blesses his word, right yeah. So I think sometimes we have to we feel like we almost have to shout or be as vocal or be as nasty, and we don 't get that uh, in Daniel. Mm. There's there's respect. So you can be respectful, you can be confrontational. You can speak truth to power. But as like on a mission from God.
0: Right. That's good. Not as a jerk. Yeah. So let's let's bundle these three traits that we just discussed and try to make a final turn for our audience. So we discussed his conviction, we discussed his resilience, and we just discussed how he called the, the powers at large to repentance. He spoke truth to power in all three of these. There is kind of a backbone in Daniel that's rooted in his Jewish identity, his faith in God, his love for God. Okay. So now we're talking to people in Chicago, maybe all their advertising, all the content that's coming across their desk is Babylonian. It's mm-hmm. non-Christian. Um, how, what kinds of things do, do our listeners need to know, like really know, in order to develop these convictions, this backbone? Um, let, let me start with a few and I'll let you add. Historically, here, here are the three things in the starter pack that you need to know. The Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. These are sort of like the ABCs of the Christian life. Uh, We need to know these ideally verbatim. I can't tell you that I could say the Ten Commandments verbatim, uh, but trying to get there. It's not about me, of course, but I'm just trying to say it's it's not easy. I don't want to Mm-hmm. Pretend like it's just the ABCs, but these are historically the ABCs for developing conviction. Here are 10 rules for life. They'd come from God's deliverance. Mm-hmm. Here is the Lord's prayer. Here's how to approach almighty God, the one you need to live your life in Chicago, Babylon, Dallas, Iran, wherever you are. Here's how to pray. Mm. And here's the Apostles' Creed, apostolic doctrine that was formulated a bit after the apostles have died, but thoroughly biblical, Um, that's a starter pack for developing this backbone. What would you either modify there or add to that list? I'd add
1: that we are all probably, to one degree or another, unschooled, don't think about much, the discipline or art of meditation. Mm. And I'm not talking about meditation as in Zen, as in transcendental, as in yoga, uh, as in Easter or, or, as in, or, or yeah, Eastern or mindfulness, none of that. It's about knowing how to think. And I, I don't know how to put that in a... I would say taking your, your ABCs package... And blowing that out and thinking about that, maybe on your break time, just write some things down about every commandment Yeah, uh, and then seek to engage people in your office yeah, uh, or at your school or wherever you may be yeah. in those things. But I think we don't act Christianly is because we don't know how to think Christianly. Yeah. Daniel knew how to act, can I just call it covenantally? Because in a sense, Christ had not come, so we can't really say Christianly, but a- a- Daniel knew how to act covenantally because he thought that way. Right,
0: right. That's good. Um, yeah. I'm tempted to add more here. I mean, for the flock at Addison Street Community Church, we can think about our own doctrinal confession. Um, we hope that whatever church you're at, you have a codified list of beliefs that aren't just on paper, but are on your heart and in your heart Mm -hmm. and you care about them and you know that they actually shape your life. Um, So your own doctrinal confession at your church, make it yours, make it yours insofar as it's biblical and care about it so much that if you don't think it's entirely biblical on every point that you're able to help your church see why it's important to get more biblical on it. Mm. That's good. So I don't want to say like extra credit, but these are the types of things that, that, yeah, we want to encourage the reading of all of the Bible. Again, that might seem very daunting to someone who's never tried or maybe they've tried and failed and we don't want to trivialize that, but there are in some sense scaffolds to help us put the whole Bible together and develop these smaller convictions that really help us live in exile.
1: Yeah, all those things will help you sift through those things that come across your desk or your life that are all Babylonian. It will teach you how to read them. Right. And it's amazing to think about Daniel, how much he interacted with power, Mm. power structures. And I think Eric, that Christians are often more composed and poised than their pagan superiors. I mean, Daniel was working for a megalomaniac in, (laughs) in, in, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, And he didn't flinch. His friends didn't flinch. They were able to see through the insanity of certain powers Mm. and able to calmly, yet courageously, you know, swallow the meat, spit out the bones, but really spit out the bones and and show people like this is not right. Yeah.
0: Well, may God help us to uh, be like Daniel insofar as he is like the greater Daniel, our Lord Jesus Christ, who uh, didn't fear not just a lion's den or a fiery furnace, but didn't flinch in the face of uh, a Roman cross where he was crucified on our behalf. It's him living in us with that kind of courage that enables us to develop this conviction to live in Babylon, Chicago, wherever you might be. Uh, So we're grateful that you've joined us once again for Chicago's Gospel Podcast, for our second installment of Gospel Citizen Case Studies on Daniel. Uh, We'd love if you shared this podcast with a friend, if you're finding it beneficial to your life. And uh, we just want to remind you that this podcast comes out twice per month, um, so just keep us top of mind when you're on your podcast feed. And uh, we hope that this is truly helping you uh, think through how to be a disciple in Chicago. If there's a topic that you want covered, then please feel free to write us at gospel at ASCCChicago.org. Gospel at ASCCChicago.org. But in the meantime, remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and finish it for me pastor and forever to the end of the age the end of the age he's the same even if everything around you seems to never be the same we hope you're well in the lord and we'll talk to you next time god bless